we're going to do the wave now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah and I are excited to be here to talk. Obviously, we're in the middle of this kind of big year-long series about uh, the core principles of uh, New Day Community Church that are all captured in the FIRE acronym. And so this first quarter is focused on the Father heart of God and God's Father heart for us. And uh, we've been, if you've been around with us, you've heard different speakers talk about kind of different angles of that. And uh, today we're going to be talking about what it means to be a son, how to be a son and daughter in the kingdom. So we're focusing kind of on our response to God's fathering to us. So a few weeks ago, Cameron actually talked about kind of this orphan versus heir uh, thing. And remember, he handed out um, this piece of paper that had the heart of the orphan on one side and the heart of the, an heir on the other side and kind of the, the kind of the issue or the view. I have some more that, do you mind just kind of handing some of these out? And there's also some back on the table um, right around the corner. Yeah, if you want one, just raise your hand um, and we'll kind of get them. Hopefully we'll have enough here. I think we should. But it's just a good reminder. Kind of helps us to connect the dots because we're, uh, this is, though, though there's different speakers, it is really one series and we're really working together to, to um, learn about what it means, what God, it means for, to have God as our father what it means for us to respond as an, as an heir with an inheritance or as sons and daughters. So, um, so I've got a, a little story. A friend of ours had a, has a son. And um, actually, I want one of those with me. Um, has a son who, um, like any other eight-year-old, um, uh, would have a little girlfriend, right? Eight-year-olds usually have girlfriends, don't they? <laughs> Um, and then, of course, during certain times of the year, like Valentine's Day, important things happen around Valentine's Day for boyfriends and girlfriends, right? The boyfriend, being a nice boyfriend, would give the girlfriend a, a, a gift of some kind, of course, right? So the eight-year-old um, goes into his mother's um, jewelry shop and starts looking through the jewelry and decides on a very, very nice pair of earrings out of his mom's jewelry shop without telling his mom for his girlfriend for Valentine's Day. So, I know. All right, is that clear? It's, sorry, it's, it's his mother's jewelry. <laughs> Not a jewelry shop. Right, I'm sorry. I did, I, right, right. It's his mom's jewelry. All right, there we go. <laughs> sorry. I'm not very, being very clear. All right, so takes the earrings. Nobody knows about it. Goes and gives these quite expensive pair of earrings, must have good taste, to his, his girlfriend. All right. And through a series of circumstances, you know, the mom finds out and is obviously wanting those nice pair of earrings back because <laughs> they're, they're not, yeah, they're hers and they, they mean a lot to her. So, um, so she, she lovingly um, uh, addresses the son and, and kind of is able to get him to say, yeah, okay, yeah, I did do this and this is what happened and this is what I was thinking, this is how it happened. And um, the, the mother then didn't 
the, the perspective of the mother wasn't, oh, I'm, you know, this son needs to get punished and, um, and, and there's, there's big problems with this. What she did was she lovingly, in relationship with the son, said, all right, let me show you how you could have done this. So she took the son. She said, if you would have come to me and asked me, we could have gone together and I would have, give, I would have helped you to find a suitable gift for your, your little girlfriend. So that's what she did. The mother took the son, went to the jewelry store. You guys following me now? Okay, the jewelry store. And, and actually gave him something that he could give to uh, the, the, the little girlfriend. And so um, she did get her... Um, highly expensive pair of earrings back, fortunately. That's a big plus to this story. But I just, it just seems so much like the Father heart of God to me. And how we get ideas about how we want to do things that, and, and then afterwards we're like, oh, that was stupid. <laughs> like, of course the son afterwards is like kind of feeling bad and ashamed, like, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have taken these things clearly, you know. But, at the end of the day, the father, our, our father's heart is to bring us alongside in relationship and to say, hey, here's how you could have done it. Here's a good way of doing that thing. And so it begs the question, well, why don't we just go to him first and be in relationship with him and ask him, how do I do this, God? And it was so fitting, just the songs that were sung this morning and, and the words that came out. Like, let's invite God into not just being the thing that we check off the list. Because the thing that when Kathy was talking, if God's on the list, then we check. What do you do with lists? You check stuff off. Right? Okay, I did my God thing. Now I'm going to do this thing. Now I'm going to do this thing. Now I'm going to do this thing. But if he's not on the list, it's like we're inviting him into every part. It's like he's the page that we're writing those things on. And, and, and so as this, you know, this mother was able to lovingly say, hey, here's a better way to do it. God, that's what God wants to do with us. I thought it was really fitting for, that story was fitting for uh, what we're talking about. So he wants to lead us, uh, he wants to be in relationship with us, even in our mistakes, so even when we mess up, we're human beings. That means we make mistakes, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just reality. And, and God's perspective is, it's like the, and I've shared this before, but it's like the two-year-old that, or the one, one to two-year-old that's trying to learn to walk and falls down. Is the father or mother angry at the child? Like, you stupid kid. You, you need to know how to walk. Like, come on. You know, like, let's do it. Get it. Has anybody done that with their... No, I'm not, never mind. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> but, but God's heart is... No, come on. Like, what do you do? You help him up. Pick him up. Like, you can do this. Come on. And you might even help him a little bit and then let go. You might even, like, say, okay, you, you kind of, like, put their feet when they're first learning to walk. You sort of put their feet one ahead of each other to sort of teach them how to do it. That's the perspective of our, of our loving Father. And we as sons and daughters, can receive that, right? I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to receive that, um, that, that love and care that he has for us in everyday life. Okay, so we're going to get back into this uh, about the Father. Um, in Romans eight sixteen and 17, Paul says who we are in Christ. He says that we're children of God 
heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, that we will also be glorified with him. So there's this tie between being children of God and being heirs. All right, so in the natural, an inheritance is physical stuff, right? How many of you have ever received an inheritance? Like something was passed down to you that was physical. Um, And so it could be money, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, investments, or maybe it's physical things that you received and and you remember the person by by those things. Um, So uh, what did you do with the inheritance? This is group participation. Anybody? What? Hung it on the wall. Hung it on the wall, right? It was a thing, right? So you could remember. That's beautiful. What else? Wasted. Wasted? Right. So you spent it on something. Okay. So you spent it on something. That's good. Something that you desired, maybe it was a waste, maybe it wasn't a waste. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else? Used it. All right. Passed it on. Wow. That's good. That's really good. All right, so I, I really believe that our inheritance in God is, is like that. It's like we've been given something. We remember God by it. We are able to go, get things that we desire through our inheritance. Think about the fruits of the Spirit. Those are, those are a part of our inheritance. How many of us just want some peace in our lives. (laughs) Like, how many of us just desire joy that, that just overwhelms our lives, you know? And those are a part of the inheritance that we have. And when we position ourselves as sons and daughters, we actually, those, that's what comes out of us. And then, what do we do? We can share it with others too, right? So, the inheritance that we get isn't just for ourselves. It is for us, though. I mean, God's given us everything that we need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you know? He's given it for us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I mean, how many of us just want freedom, you know? So, as as sons and daughters, we have um, a place for this inheritance. And just as tangible as the inheritance that we've received in, in the past, that is the same. Um, I would even say there's, a, there's more to the spiritual inheritance that we have. Galatians 4, 5-7, through 7, this is in the message. It says, Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you're now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir. With complete access to the inheritance. So today... We want to figure out how to receive this inheritance. So we've got two major things to talk about. How, how do we become a son or daughter? How do we receive this inheritance? First one, stop acting like an orphan. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> so you, you got this handed out. Um, so this... I mean, this is a great list because I've been able to just go down it and go, oh, yep, this is where I'm like an orphan. Oh, yep, this is where I'm like an orphan. And, and, you know, um, knowing is half the battle. When I was a kid, I used to watch G.I. Joe, and that was the, yes, 
How many of you watched G.I. Joe? Yes! Knowing's half the battle, right? G.I. Joe. Yes. So, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this is a good kind of uh, piece of information, and you can walk down the side of it and just check it off and go, yep, here's where it is. And no, once we know, then we can invite God into that place and ask Him to show us where He's good and where He's working in to change us from acting like an orphan to acting like a son. So, just as a summary, uh, orphans uh, live in fear. They're constantly in a place of fear. They're constantly trying to figure out where they belong. They're in a fear that there's not going to be enough. They have fear that they're, um, that they're not good enough. They're, they're afraid that they're going to be found out. They're af- afraid of what others think. <clears throat> and so, um, uh, I, I have have some orphan thinking in myself. I, you know, and I think lots of times we have both sort of sonship and orphan thinking going on in our lives at the same time. So let me give you an example of how I, I grew up acting like a son. So I've always trusted that God is going to take care of me. I've always trusted that um, the direction in my path and the path of my life was going to be um, taken care of, that he was going to take care of that. So, for example, you know, I ended up going to Michigan State, and it was through a series of circumstances that I landed at Michigan State and through some certain relationships. And things just worked out there. It was a really good place for me to be, really good community for me to be a part of. Then, when I was looking for a job after I gradu- as, as I was graduating, I, I actually only interviewed at one place, which is not advised. But... <laughs> But God just led me on this path. And I just lived trusting that every step of the way, He was going to lead me and He was going to guide me. And I, I didn't have, obviously there's a natural anxiety around that, but I didn't have this deep-rooted fear that, that things, that I wouldn't be taken care of and that my path wouldn't be laid out before me. And so then, you know, that worked even in my relationship with Sarah and... and and so I was like a son. Yay! That was part of me that was like a son. So, uh, okay, how was I like an orphan? <laughs> um, growing up, my life was all about following the rules. And some of you that have heard me speak before, a lot of my testimony is about I was like the good kid that did, that did all the right things. And most parents in this room are saying, well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Your parents were probably very happy that you always did the right thing. <laughs> and they were. And, and, and I, I mean, I had a great relationship with my parents. I mean, we, like, I couldn't ask for better parents. But what, how I responded to guidelines and rules is that I became a rule follower to please them and I actually, in myself, not anything to do with them, in myself, I, I, didn't, I didn't sit as a son in their house. I was more of a, I need to do these right things so people will, so they'll approve of me, so my, everyone will like me. So I became, I loved the law, and, um, and, and I, I wasn't living by this law of love. So I, I didn't have in myself this sonship mentality because I was just a rule follower and that's what I was focused on. <clears throat> Another way um, is that I, uh, I, um, I didn't look at myself very highly and 
you know, we, we all believe all kinds of crazy lies about ourselves, things that just aren't true. And, and everyone looks at us and goes, there's no way that you would believe that about yourself. But it's true. So I, when Sarah and I first got married, and I've probably shared this before, but I could not say that I am smart. I couldn't say I felt that I was dumb and didn't have any level of intelligence. And Sarah's like, there's a problem here. Like, you need to be able to say about yourself that you're intelligent, that you're smart. I Literally, the words could not come out of my mouth because I did not believe about it about myself. I believed that I wasn't intelligent. I believed that I was dumb. And so we had this, like, it was really good. It's like marriage is the best thing. It's a great mirror, right? You learn a lot about yourself because you get that, that loving feedback, right? Loving feedback. Um, but yeah, but that was something that was really kind of blatant and obvious early in our marriage. Was, I just didn't I, there are certain things that I didn't believe about myself that were true. And you know what? I didn't see myself the way God saw me, you know, and the way that he created me. Are you smart? Yes, I'm smart. <laughs> see? Healing. <laughs> it's amazing what that'll do. Um, I, I believe that people don't like who I really am, and so I just always wanted to please people and just to do what I thought they wanted me to do rather than just being myself. God revealed to me that actually what people want is me to be myself, me to be me. I believe that I'm not, I'm not funny at all, but I'm hilarious. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, I got to keep moving here. Um, all right. So how do we get rid of this orphan mindset? The orphan thinking, these things kind of on the left side, the, uh, the, the left side of the sheet that, I, that was handed out, um, they have to be displaced, not just removed. So we have to insert something. When God removes that kind of thinking, we need to get a truth. We need to understand the truth about that, about ourselves. So it, if, it, if it just gets pulled out, it's going to come right back. And so we need to displace the orphan-type thinking with sonship-type thinking. Okay, so what was my first point of how to be a son? Stop it. Stop, be, stop acting like an orphan. I mean, it's kind of harsh, but it's, it's, ta- it's, it's, it's recognizing where we are acting like orphans and inviting God into that. All right, part two is we recognize, we need to recognize, and this fits right in, that God is a perfect and loving Father and that He wants to displace our orphan thinking and give us sonship, inheritance that's already ours, that Jesus paid for on the cross. Uh, a few weeks ago, Bill talked, actually last week, yeah, no, two weeks ago, Bill talked about the uh, prodigal. When the prodigal came home, um, what did the father do? Ran to him. He took the shame of the son. So the son went and squandered all the wealth. Um, and, and you know what? It's, it's a good picture, too, because God the Father doesn't control, he doesn't control us. There's freedom in our relationship in God. So the, the, the father gave his son the inheritance and let him run off with it, right? He didn't say, no, I'm not going to do that. He actually allowed him. There's freedom. There's choices in our relationship with God. And even after God gave him, the, or the father gave the son the choice, he, he, he screwed it all up, right? Just like we all do. And then he came running back 
the Father welcomed him back. So even when God doesn't control us, gives us choices, and we mess it up, he is still draw, wanting to draw us in and accept, he accepts us no matter what. So what would your natural tendency to be if you were that father? Okay, I'm going to really try hard, so I'm going to give my, my kid choices. All right, so here's the choice. All right, you, you want to choose this? I don't think that's the best idea, but here you go. Take the inheritance run or whatever scenario. Kid goes off and does it, and it you know, falls flat on his face, doesn't work out well. When that kid comes back, what's the perspective of, of the father? What would it be if it was you? Lecture time! Come on! It's like the look, right? Like, uh-huh. I, didn't I tell you? What else? <laughs> I told you so? Yep. Interaction time? <laughs> punishment? Absolutely. The hammer? Punishment? Right. How are you going to clean up this mess? Right? <laughs> Nag at him. All right. So we're all learning what not to do or, or how to be good parents, right? <laughs> or we're learning what, how the father blew all that out of the way. Yeah. Right? He said, no, that's not how I respond. I actually invite my son back into relationship with me. I actually draw. I actually take his shame. I run through the city so the community can't mock him as he comes. I don't even let him, even before he repents, I accept him back. And it's just an amazing heart of the Father in the place of our orphan-type thinking to push all that aside and welcome us back. Let that sink in for a minute. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And just let the Holy Spirit kind of simmer some of that information inside of us. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for who you are as our Father. Thank you, God. Thank you that you cover us. You don't expose. Thank you that you're wide open for us to come to you. We receive that. <clears throat> okay. So uh, a couple of things that I just want to share with you about how to be a son or a daughter. Um, two things, actually. I do believe that there's a lot of ways that we can, you know, be transformed inside of our hearts and come to a new place within us and, you know, mature in our walk with the Lord. But two things is what the Lord gave me for, you know, today to give to you. Um, and the first one is um, simply believing that God is good. Because part of the, the difficulty with us in our relationship with the Lord is we don't believe he's good, and so we don't go to him, or we doubt who he is, you know, in general, and so we don't go to him. But if you believe that God is good, initially, you know, just from the get, you don't question what to do. You go to him, you know. He is so good. And so <clears throat> what happened with Adam and Eve 
when you know sin first came into the world, they lived in the garden with God. They they had full freedom, full intimacy, and a full, beautiful, loving relationship with God that we have never known, and with true, perfect, um, you know, unjaded love like we've never known. And and so they're in the garden and the serpent comes and and it's Satan and he says, you know, <clears throat> can it really be said that you can't do this thing that God said to do? He just immediately kind of posed a question and Eve answered with truth. She said, you know, what God said and she repeated the truth, um the word of God. And then he said, no, that's not true. And he said, you know, you can do this and it will make you like God. You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing and, um, and that. But, but in that moment, what happened was a question started kind of forming within Eve, you know. And I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just, you know, going with the story here. Um, you know, the, the question could have been inside of her, well, Hmm, maybe God didn't tell us everything that you know we needed to know. Maybe God didn't provide all that we could have gained, you know. And suddenly there's this doubting about who God is, you know. Before this moment, they had everything they needed. They had pure innocence, pure intimacy, and understanding with God. But as soon as this kind of this question, this doubt, this kind of accusation that comes from the enemy, like God hasn't told you everything, actually, there's more to this than what you know, you know. And it, and it and it makes this question rise up in someone that that says huh you know maybe there's more you know maybe god has more that he just didn't tell us you know just that question um you know maybe maybe there's more that we could get a hold of here you know and i just wish for a moment they just would have stopped and been like let's go actually ask god satan want to come with us Let's go ask God what he has to say about this matter. You know, because that that is where the relationship kind of ended. They they got this doubt kind of going on about the pure goodness of God. And then in, in a moment, they acted on that doubt. They acted on that doubt that God is, has perfectly given them everything that they need. And then they did something that caused complete separation and and dire consequences. You know, not just for them, but for us. And so here we see a picture of what it means to A, doubt in the goodness of God, and B, act on that. Basically severs you from intimacy with the Lord. It takes away from your ability to have that perfect connection with the Lord, and you have dire consequences for that. And that's just, you know, just the story and what happened with Adam and Eve is just kind of a picture of what happens in our lives when we doubt in the goodness of God and then we act on it with our, you know, decisions and actions. You know, if they would have just, you know, like Seth was talking about, about the, you know, the, the kid with his mom and the jewelry, you know, if they would have just gone to God and just asked him about that, had relation, kept the relationship going, and then see what he had to say. <clears throat> but what Adam and Eve broke, Jesus came to fix. This is the good news. And um, Jesus came, and and he he had that perfect intimacy with with God, the Father that you know Adam and Eve kind of knew. I'm sure it was different, but. Um, but he, he had the, a real understanding of the goodness of God. And the beauty of, of how it worked 
with Jesus is that immediately after he started his ministry, he went into the desert and was tempted by Satan, you know, that liar who came and said, you know, he kind of threw at him these questions about Jesus' identity and was kind of trying to promote that doubt again. And, and it's cool because, you know, Eve, she kind of gave the word of truth, you know, and said, well, this is what God said. And she spoke truth. But then he asked another question, and that's when she faltered. But Jesus, he, you know, Satan came, asked a question. Jesus returned it with truth, defeated the enemy. Satan came again, you know, brought another doubt Eve came, or uh, Jesus came and defeated it with truth again. And then a third time, you know, three is the number of completion. And, you know, uh, Satan tempts Jesus with another, you know, kind of moment of temptation. And Jesus just handles it the same with the word of truth and defeated him right there. Which just gives us an indication of a tool that we can use when, you know, we're coming against those lies. The word is such a powerful kind of victory trump card, you know. We can always use that and everything. But Jesus knew who, who God, who the Father was, and he always acted out in that. He revealed who God was everywhere he went. And, and I love where it says, Jesus answered and said, most assuredly in John 5, 19, um, most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So the key for Jesus was that he was seeing what the Father was doing at all times. His eyes were connecting with the face of God. He was looking at his Father. So if he, I mean, he said, I do nothing. So all the things he was doing, he was seeing the Father do. How could he do anything if he wasn't looking at the Father? He couldn't, because it says that he did all things, everything. What, what you say, I say, what you pray, I pray, or whatever. The song we sang today was so good. So Jesus was looking at the Father at all times. And how could he see what the Father was doing if he wasn't looking at his face? So to, to get a, a greater sense of this um, between the Father and the Son, the opening words of um, John's Gospel um, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so Jesus lived with the Father um, at all times, and that word with, was is, um, the Greek word is prose, translated with, and it's like the word is to have a sense of being to or toward, so it gives this idea of when he says with, he's toward him face to face. And so that's what Jesus knew at all times. And so he was face to face, and that is... Um, um, kind of another indication of how God was trying to pull people into that when um, he gave this blessing to Moses to give to the Israelites in Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. That was a blessing that the Israelites kind of knew. To see the face of God became a high aspiration. In First Chronicles, they exhort... Um, People to say, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. And so it was this picture, you know, just through Israelite culture that the face of God was very important to kind of see, to look at him, to, to keep your eyes focused on who he is. And, um, and then you can see this in the New Testament with, um, Peter walking on the water. You know, Jesus comes. He's, he's, it's just so curious to me how it says, 
you know, and Jesus would have walked by them. He, okay, so let me back up. The disciples are in a storm on the water. They're in a boat. And Jesus comes walking across the water, and they think it's a ghost. But it says in the Bible, it says, but he would have walked by them, except they were completely freaked out, basically. And I'm like, why was Jesus just going to walk right by them? Just one of those things. I'm just like, what? That's so curious to me. Um, but but um, Peter, you know, they see Jesus. They're freaked out about it. It's crazy on the water. and um, But he's walking on it. And Peter says, I want to do that too. And so he asks, you know, is it okay if, if I come on the water? And he says, come. And then he gets out of the boat. He's on the water walking to Jesus. And then it says, but he saw the wind and he saw the waves and was afraid. So he saw, you know, what could make him afraid and stopped looking at the one he was walking to. And then Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and he said, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Because Peter had looked away from the face of Jesus. And it caused doubt. All the communication we need is in his face. All the communication we need is in his eyes. Jesus did that. He saw everything he needed to know when he was looking at the Father. And that's what we can do too. So I've been practicing this like regularly. And um, we don't have time for that story, do we? Probably not. Okay. I will, I will very shortly. I had a disastrously snowy driveway this week and didn't know what to do. And I prayed about it. And God told me to call my dad. And I didn't want to call my dad because my dad is already helping me with my taxes. And I felt like a needy child. <laughs> Seth was out of town. Our snowblower was broken. And I didn't have any answers. But I did. I called my dad because I felt like God told me to call my dad. And when I was over there, um, Sean Clinton was over there. And I, you know, my, the situation was explained to my dad, and he was like, you know, I don't know what to do here. He kind of said, he, you know, he couldn't really help with the snowblower because he didn't think the, he thought the snow was too heavy to be, you know, lifted by the snowblower. So I started calling all these businesses and, you know, snow removal places, and there was no one. I called like 12 businesses and no one could come. And, um, so I was like, oh well, you know, disastrous driveway. It's going to freeze and melt, and I'll have an ice block for a driveway. No big deal. It'll be fine. And I go about my business. And like an hour later, Sean Clinton calls me because he had heard that I needed, you know, help with the, the driveway. And he comes with a tractor, a massive tractor. Do you want to roll the video, Emily? The sound is really cool. He comes with a tractor from a farm. <laughs> And the snow is completely removed from my driveway. <laughs> and I did not have an ice block for a driveway. I have a clean driveway. And I was, I cannot even tell you, I was like laughing so hard when he pulled up with this tractor because I never, I don't even think any snow removal company could have done what the tractor did. And <laughs> it was just hilarious. And I thought, God, you are hilarious. Like, you told me to call my dad. Sean was over there. 
My dad didn't have the answer, but Sean did. But I never would have connected that. I never would have called Sean Clinton, you know, to clear my driveway. But in just looking at the face of the father, he gave me an answer that seemed strange and unconventional. And two hours later, my driveway is, you know, more clear than it has been all winter, you know. And I was so blessed. I couldn't believe it. And the Lord was just like, I love you, you know. And I'm like, I was, you should have seen me in my garage. I was just like, oh, my God. You know, there's a tractor. He drove the tractor like all the way up West Michigan, like all these cars honking at him, like craziness. Anyway, all that to say, the Father, He can lead you in small things and in big things, and we can become sons and daughters when we look at His face, when we look in His eyes, and we find out what He's communicating to us. We are transformed as sons from orphans when we look in His face. So let's pray. Everyone stand up. Lord, we open our arms to you, Lord. We open our hearts to you, God. And we ask, Father, for um, the transformation that takes place when an orphan becomes a son and a daughter. Lord, we desire that, God. I saw a picture of God um, kind of like a mountain and uh, but he he was a you know he was just huge and I just saw all these little kids running into him just coming into him as a safe he's a safe stronghold he's safe and he is secure and I saw children just running into him with all their hearts and I just um, I just want this to give an opportunity for you to respond to the desire of the Lord to be like one with you, to be close to you, for you to go into who he is, to um, receive his love, and to know who he is as a good, good dad, a good father. And, um, you know, Jesus came and died on the cross that we would know who the Father would be, and he took, took away our sins so that we could be close with God. And if you're here today and you desire to have a relationship with God, um, I welcome you to, to tell God that you want to be close with him, that you want him to be the Lord of your life. And uh, we have a prayer team available up front and a prophetic team available, um, people who have heard God's voice and can um, speak what he's saying over you. And um, I just welcome you.